Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning, and that you will do a holy work in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. A man prayed, and at first he thought that prayer was talking. But he became more and more quiet until he realized that prayer is listening. So said the 19th century Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard. Last week, in the first of our sermon series on prayer, Lee spoke to you about persevering in prayer. And this morning, as we continue thinking about how each one of us can pray, I'm going to be sharing with you about listening to God as we pray, and how we can discern him as we seek his guidance. Our reading this morning from St. John's Gospel contains one of the most famous and frequently quoted sayings of Jesus. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. It's a verse that uh, particularly resonates with me. It's uh, one of my touchstones in, in my life, I have to say, and in my ministry. But actually, we're not going to focus on that this morning. We're going to look at the rest of this chapter, the rest of those 10 verses. And we see there, repeated by Jesus many times, some phrases that are really important to our understanding of prayer and of its place in what it means to follow him, to be one of Jesus' disciples. In verse 3, the sheep listen to his voice, the voice of the good shepherd. In verse 4, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And again later in verse 4, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a bit further on in verses 16 and 17, uh, excuse me, 27, exactly the same sentiments are repeated. Jesus, the good shepherd, speaks to each one of us by name. And each one of us too can learn to recognize his voice for ourselves to act as our guide as we follow in his footsteps. The German uh, World War II pastor and martyr, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, said, just as a child learns to speak because his father speaks to him, so we learn to speak to God because God has spoken to us and speaks to us still. Because God has spoken to us and speaks to us. And, therefore, because we listen to what he says when he speaks. We learn to speak to God, to pray to him, because we also listen to him. Prayer isn't simply making speeches to God. It's entering conversational intimacy with him, both speaking and listening. We see a great example of this in uh, the book of Acts, in chapter 9 of that book. Um, Saul, as he still is at that point, the future St. Paul, he's been struck blind on the road to Damascus. 
and he's taken refuge in a house in the city. Ananias, who's one of the very first Christians uh, who lived in Damascus, he hears from Jesus in a vision, telling him to go to the house where Saul is staying, to go and lay hands on him and to restore his sight. Saul, of course, has been persecuting the new Christians horrifically. So, understandably, Ananias, um, as one of these new Christians, isn't exactly overjoyed that God's instruction to him is to go and heal Saul's sight. In this vision that Ananias has, he questions Jesus. He basically says to him, are you really sure that that's what you want, Lord? Is that really what I should be doing? And Jesus replies in this same vision. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a little one coming towards me. <laughs> it's rather lovely. <laughs> it's fantastic. We had a liturgical hoover going across here earlier on as well. I've never seen one of those before, but the, the little ones are on good form today. Sorry, I'm distracted. Um, so Ananias says, are you, are you sure that this is what I should do, Lord? Um, and Jesus replies in this same vision. He tells him, yes, that is exactly what I want you to do. Ananias listens to the Lord's words to him. They have a discussion in this vision. It's this conversational intimacy. And of course, Saul's sight is restored. Um, He becomes Paul, Saint Paul. Uh, ultimately, and, and his work for the gospel is to spread the good news throughout the whole of the eastern Mediterranean. Because Ananias listened to God, that was the fruit of his listening. So if prayer is this conversational intimacy with God, both speaking and listening, how then do we go about this listening type of prayer? How do we listen to God? John Eldridge, in his book, Moving Mountains, which Lee, um, as Lee said last week, is the basis for this sermon series and which most of our home groups uh, are also following this term. And uh, I hope that's going well uh, so far, if that applies to you. Um, John Eldridge suggests that there are four basic steps that each one of us really uh, needs to follow if we're to become fluent, if you like, uh, at listening to God in prayer. And these four steps are as follows. Firstly, start small. Start simple in your questions of God, in this uh, prayerful conversation with him. Don't start by asking him something like, Heavenly Father, do you want me to quit my job tomorrow? Do you want me to move house next week? Do you want me to marry that girl I've just met yesterday? Big questions. But instead, something like, Lord, maybe I should catch up over a coffee with that friend. Something where, on the face of it, there's not a great deal at stake, but which 
as we ask God repeatedly and quietly for his guidance as to whether it's something we should do, we start to become more settled, more focused on God and better able to hear his voice speaking to us. God's voice, of course, we're told in an episode from the life of the Old Testament prophet Elijah, following on from the one that Lee told last week uh, about uh, Elijah praying for rain and the, and the, and the cloud just the size of a, of a, of a man's fist finally uh, coming into view and then growing and growing into uh, a full rainstorm, breaking that drought. God's voice doesn't come in the violent noise of the fire or the storm or the earthquake that Elijah hears as he hides in the cave. But God's voice comes in a still, small voice, a gentle whisper in the stillness when the chaos of the world has passed. So first, start small and simple in your questions to God and in your listening to his replies. Secondly, as you're starting to engage with the Lord, quieten yourself. Go to a quiet place if you can and shut out any other distractions so as to better hear the Lord. Thirdly, as you sense yourself tuning in to what God may be trying to say to you in response to your question, repeat your question as you pray and listen, helping you to keep focused on what God may be saying to you. God's voice to you probably won't be like an audible voice, like uh, me speaking to you now or, or, or you back to me later. It's more likely to be rather a sort of gentle voice within. Within our hearts, because that is where Jesus dwells. If we think back to our reading from, from John's Gospel, John chapter 10, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The more we listen for God's voice, the more we come to recognize that voice. And God's Spirit can begin to guide us as we follow him. It's rather like a phone call, if you like. We can't see the person on the other end of the line, but the more often we speak to them, the more we can spot their voice until it becomes almost automatic for us that we know who that voice belongs to. I remember only too well when Claire, my wife, and I first went out. Um, I once called the house that she shared with her best friend Liz a, a few weeks into our relationship. A female voice I thought I knew very well picked up the receiver. And so I started off, hello, my lovely, to be greeted by, hi, Tim. It's Liz, actually. I'll just fetch Claire for you. Inevitably, Liz has had 
uh, plenty of comedy mileage at my expense over the succeeding years. Uh, she tends to sign uh, birthday cards to me um, from her and her husband, uh, love from John and my lovely, and so on. Um, but I, I, I hope um, that story helps, uh, helps you get my point as, um, as, it, as between Claire and me. Um, I hope I recognize her every time, and I certainly make sure I recognize Liz's voice when I, I speak to her on the phone. Uh, but as between Claire and me, when we communicate with God, the more we communicate with God, the more we recognize his voice when he speaks to us and the more easily we can respond by aligning ourselves to his will for our lives. So firstly, start small in your questions. Secondly, quieten yourself. Thirdly, tune in, if you like, to God's voice to us. We're all in the age of digital radios these days, aren't we? So um, you know, finding the channel isn't like it used to be. But if you think back to analog radios and, and the, the way you used to twist the dial to get, that, uh, to get the right signal, tune in like that to God's voice, to us, to you. And fourthly and lastly, keep your heart open. Keep it open to whatever God may wish to say to you. It can be really hard to do at times. I know that from my own personal experience. Stuff gets in the way. The stuff of life, the noise of life, the busyness of life, the toddlers of life. But do your very best prayerfully to lay aside your own personal wishes or desires. Surrender yourself to God's will for you and for your life. Again, the more we get into a rhythm of praying, praying in this way, the more it becomes a natural thing for us to hear God speaking like this into our lives. I certainly know that at the times in my life when I've been able to put to one side what I may want and try to listen to what God is saying to me about that particular situation. God's never let me down. I know that when I was coming to the end of my ordination training down in London and was having to wait and wait to find out whether the London Diocese would offer me a curacy down there, the temptation uh, was to think about what I wanted, what we wanted as a family, ideally to stay in London. But through the waiting and more waiting and praying and more praying, it became clear to Claire and me that God had other and good plans for us. And without them and without us submitting ourselves to God's will in relation to them, it's almost impossible to conceive that we would have come here to St. Giles. We'd never have known and loved and been blessed so much by all of you. I suppose we can almost think of praying as being a bit like going to the doctors. 
We don't just go to tell the doctor all the things we need to speak with her about. We go to listen to her advice about whatever it is that's troubling us. So it is with God. We listen to what the Good Shepherd, through the Holy Spirit, is wanting to say to us. In this, we're guided by God through wisdom and revelation. We need both. Sometimes wisdom's sufficient. Sometimes it's most definitely not. In the case of Ananias with Saul, God's revelation is absolutely needed for him to make sense of things, to make sense of what uh, he's being asked to do. Rationally, it doesn't make any sense to him at all. It's only because of that vision of Jesus and that conversation with Jesus that he has that intimate conversation that Ananias is clear about what God wishes him to do. At times, too, it can be really hard to discern what God is saying to us in a particular situation. We're called, each one of us, to be the persistent prayers that Lee spoke about last week. Exemplified by Elijah, as he prayed and prayed and prayed again for the rain that finally came. But even then, sometimes, God's will for a situation may still be unclear. But in general, I suggest there are five ways in which we can hear God's word for us. And I'll talk about each one of them very, very briefly. Five ways in which we can hear God's work, uh, God's word for each one of us, all of which I think require us to discern with integrity and humility and also common sense. First, we hear God in the Bible. The Bible's our primary source, of course, of God's revelation and the ultimate authority by which we weigh all other words. All scripture is God-breathed in the words of St. Paul. It's living, it's powerful. We shouldn't just learn about God from it in study. We should listen to God through it in prayerful meditation. Pray through your Bible. Pray when you read your Bible. Maybe take a a short verse and pray through it repeatedly and and see how God is speaking to you. Maybe through an individual word or or a particular phrase. Dwell in it. Dwell in that scripture and try to sense God's, uh, God's calling on you from that. As the American pastor Mark Batterson says, scripture is God's way of initiating a conversation. Prayer is our response to that. Secondly, we hear God in dreams and in visions. In the book of Daniel, in chapter 2, there's a story of um, how King Nebuchadnezzar sets his advisors an impossible task. Um, He has had a dream, uh, and uh, he asks all of his advisors uh, not only to interpret the dream that he's had, but also to discern what the dream actually was in the first place. He's the only one who knows that, of course. He hasn't told anyone about it at all. Humanly, it's absolutely impossible for anyone to know what he has dreamt. 
But God reveals this mystery to Daniel in a vision. And Daniel celebrates this gift of listening to God and understanding him in a song of praise. The Lord has given wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He makes known to Daniel what he asked of him. So first, we hear God in the Bible. Second, we hear God in dreams and visions. And thirdly, we hear God in common sense and also in counsel, the counsel of the saints, the wisdom of our Christian sisters and brothers around us. Look at yourselves. You are a wise crew out there. You have years and years of Christian knowledge and love and discipleship in each one of you. If you're not sure about what route to take, what way God is calling you in your life, I encourage you to speak to the wise people around you when you're in need. Fourthly, we hear God in personal reflection. Exactly the sort of making space for him that we've already uh, mentioned at the start. Allowing him to speak to us as we prayerfully listen. As we read in Luke chapter 2, Mary treasured up all of these things, all of these things about Jesus' birth, of course, and pondered them in her heart. Ponder matters in prayer. Hold them in your heart. Weigh them up. Reflect on them. And fifth and finally, I suggest we hear God in action. Listening isn't just a passive action. And it certainly wasn't in a Hebrew understanding of the Bible. The Latin word obediri, from which we derive the word to obey, literally means to pay attention to or to give ear to or listen to. Listening means yielding willingly to whatever God may tell us to do and acting on that. I'm conscious that what I've shared with you this morning may seem to be something of a prayer shopping list, if you like. Prayer is such a huge subject, and most importantly, uh, perhaps it's something that is deeply personal, deeply personal to each one of us. None of us will pray to the Lord, or none of us will hear from the Lord in the same way as another. But I hope what I've been able to do, to share with you some of the ways in which you may, in future, if you don't already, be able to hear the still and small voice of God speaking to you and into your life, transforming you daily into Christ-likeness. I'll close with some words from Pete Gregg, the founder of 24-7 Prayer. Each of us must listen as well as talk if our prayer is a living conversation with a loving God. 
my prayer for each one of us is that our prayers in the power of the Holy Spirit will become precisely that, a living conversation with our loving God. In Jesus' name.